0: Russia and
1: Ukraine attack each other with drones. A three hour nighttime Russian drone attack in Ukraine's southern Odessa region overnight on Tuesday had caused a blaze at grain facilities. Ukraine prepares for the Independence Day
0: holiday.
2: Ukrainians will mark uh, the Independence Day, which, which is one of the main holidays in Ukraine and for Ukrainians, and especially it's, it's uh, extremely important for the nation during this full scale invasion.
0: And later in the program, a man once Called General Armageddon Loses His Job, and to look at the effectiveness of the increasingly popular drone attacks. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington.
3: And I'm Steve Miller. A business jet was en route from Moscow to St. Petersburg and crashed on Wednesday, killing all 10 people on board. That's according to Russian emergency officials. Wagner mercenary chief Yegevni Prigozhin was on the passenger manifest list, according to officials, but it's not been made immediately clear if he was on board and VOA cannot independently verify reports of his death. Be sure to visit our website, voanews.com, for additional updates on this story.
0: Ukraine is developing a high-tech arsenal of modern Western weapons. But small Soviet-era rocket launchers are still popular with the troops on the ground. We'll find out why in a few minutes. Up first, though, Russia and Ukraine have been trading drone attacks. With Kyiv apparently targeting Moscow again and the Kremlin's forces launching another bombardment of Ukraine's grain storage depots. The AP's Charles Della Desma reports.
1: Odessa Regional Military Administration Head Ole Kippa. Writes on the Telegram messaging app, a three-hour nighttime Russian drone attack in Ukraine's southern Odessa region overnight on Tuesday had caused a blaze at grain facilities, while Ukrainian air defense systems downed nine Shahed drones. Unfortunately, there were hits on production and transshipment complexes. Kipper says, adding that no casualties have so far been reported. Russia zeroed in on Odessa last month, crippling significant parts of the port. City's grain facilities, days after President Vladimir Putin broke off Moscow's participation in the Black Sea Grain Initiative. I'm Charles de
0: The BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, represent 40% of the world's population and a quarter of the global economy. And at their summit on Wednesday, leaders discuss admitting new members to the bloc as it pursues a bigger role in shaping world affairs it sees dominated by Western powers. China, for one, is seeking to rapidly grow the club of large emerging economies amid rising competition from the United States. But India is wary of rushing to expand and sees China as using the bloc to suit its own economic interests. The divisive issue tops the agenda as it discusses its future at a three-day summit in Johannesburg. Sergey Lavrov is the Russian foreign minister. He's representing Russia at the summit because Russian President Vladimir Putin is wanted under a warrant from the International Criminal Court for alleged war crimes in Ukraine. Had he gone to South Africa, he could have been arrested. Putin was still present at the meeting, though through a video link. He used his platform to piggyback on some of the anti-Western sentiments to reemphasize his justification for the war in Ukraine. Russia has decided to support people who were fighting for their culture, for their traditions, for their language, for their
3: future. Our actions in Ukraine are dictated by only one thing. That is putting an end to the war
0: that was unleashed by the West and its satellites in Ukraine against the people living in the Donbass. South Africa, China and India have not condemned Russia's invasion, while Brazil has refused to join Western nations in sending arms to Ukraine or imposing sanctions on Moscow. For its part, the U.S. has said it does not see BRICS evolving into a geopolitical rival. Sergei Surovikin, nicknamed General Armageddon, has been removed as Russia's Air Force chief after he vanished from public view during the Wagner Group's mutiny against top army brass. This according to Russian state news on Wednesday. Reuters' Fiona Jones has the story.
4: Russia has removed Sergei Surovikin, nicknamed General Armageddon, as the head of its air force. That's according to Russian state news agency RIA. The move comes after he vanished from public view following a Wagner mercenary mutiny against top army brass. Ria cited an unnamed source as saying that Suravikin had been relieved from his post and, quote, Colonel-General Viktor Afzalov, head of the main staff of the Air Force, is temporarily acting as commander in chief of the Air Force. This reported move suggests the authorities found fault with his behaviour during the June revolt. Some reports say he was investigated for possible complicity and is being held under house arrest. US officials told Reuters in June that Surovikin had been supportive of Wagner boss Yevgeny Prigozhin, but that Western intelligence did not know with certainty whether he had helped the rebellion in any way. Surovikin would be the most senior Russian military figure to lose his job over the mutiny which President Vladimir Putin says could have tipped Russia into civil war. Prigozhin, who spearheaded the revolt, remains at liberty. Ria's report suggests Suravikin remains a member of the Russian military.
0: That's Fiona Jones of Reuters reporting for us today. Sometimes small and nimble is better than big and strong. Ukraine has recently acquired a lot of high-tech Western weapons to fight Russian forces, but it's also deploying custom-built mini-rocket launchers that use parts taken from a Soviet-era system. Reuters' Angela Johnson has that story.
5: Ukraine calls this the mini-Grad. It's basically a pickup truck outfitted with rocket launchers. Using pipes from the larger, Soviet-designed BM-21 Grad multiple rocket launcher developed in the 1960s. Ukraine's army says this video shows its impact. It's not as accurate as the advanced HIMARS rocket systems Kyiv has received from the U.S. But members of this Ukrainian brigade working in the Zaporizhia region say the Minigrad's advantage is that it's nimble.
0: There are two operating modes. The small mode
3: is 7 feet and the large mode is 70. It allows the rocket to detonate above the ground inflicting more shrapnel damage to infantry and light-armored vehicles.
5: This volunteer builder says fewer rockets mean the Minigrad can zip around more easily. Military analyst Alexander Mozienko says this kind of weaponry is an advantage for units that wouldn't normally have this kind of gear. He adds that units also don't need to wait to get artillery from somewhere else. The use of the Minigrad is happening during Kyiv's counteroffensive against Russia, which began in June. Armed with Western tanks and infantry fighting vehicles, Ukraine has retaken a string of villages but no larger settlements. Still, a senior Ukrainian official suggested on Tuesday, the country has made progress simply by proving it can push back a better armed and numerically superior enemy.
0: Angela Johnson of Reuters with that report for us. Ukrainian leadership is preparing for a defense forum this fall. We'll find out what that's all about with our reporter in Kyiv, Anna Chernakova. But first, today's a holiday in Ukraine. Anna explains.
2: Wednesday, August 23rd, Ukraine marks uh, the National Flag Day as every year since uh, the announcement of independence uh, in 1991. The National Flag Day is uh, a day before the Independence Day and Thursday, uh, August 24th, Ukrainians will mark uh, the Independence Day, which, which is one of the main holidays in Ukraine and for Ukrainians. And especially, it's it's uh, extremely important for the nation during this full-scale invasion. Before the war, Ukrainians had uh, different public events happening uh, across the country in every in every city and town. Uh, now, uh, no public events are, are to be held. But in Kiev, particularly, there will be uh, this exhibition of destroyed Russian military equipment uh, second year in a row. The same uh, was happening last year. And uh, basically, this is it. So Ukrainians will just mark uh, the, the Independence Day, uh, its importance. And basically, this is what Ukrainian uh, nation is fighting for uh, these days uh, on, at the front line.
0: Now understandably celebrating a holiday like this is going to be different during a war than during peace. So What's the emotional difference? How are Ukrainians feeling about this holiday while their country is under attack?
2: Uh, you know, um, well, it looks like for Ukrainians, uh, these two days, the Flag Day and Independence Day, uh, is getting more meaning uh, during this full-scale invasion, because if previously it was just a day in the calendar, I mean, it was really important. so Ukrainian nation uh, emotionally had very, you know... The feeling of importance of this both of these days but now it's getting even more emotionally deep, uh, I should say, because you can see that especially young generation children, they're all covered with uh, Ukrainian symbols, blue and yellow colors, flags. So it's more, of course, emotionally uh, for people, uh, it's getting more meaning. And this is very, um, I think, uh, this creates the biggest difference. And this is very important to mention as society is changing uh, in this direction.
0: Anna, changing gears a little bit. I understand there is a brief frontline update from the Zaporizhia region. Can you tell us what's happening down there, please?
2: Yeah, actually, it's second day in a row that we're hearing official reports uh, of advance of Ukrainian forces in the area of the Zaporizhia region. And um, yesterday, we were talking about Robotone, which is uh, quite a strategic point located uh, in between of uh, Mariupol, Melitopol and Zaporizhia, in this, it's like the crossroad in the middle of this area. And today we're hearing another report, according again to Ukrainian official reports, is getting uh, well, hotter in terms of uh, fighting. And even there are reports from Ukrainian uh, military officials that Russian forces uh, are taking their forces away from Kherson direction in order to strengthen the Parisian direction and defense lines that uh, Russian forces created there. Uh, Because, uh, again, I would like to remind our listeners that we have to remember that the city of Militopol, which is occupied since the beginning of full-scale invasion uh, by Russian forces, this is one of the main... Main goals for Ukrainian forces in this counteroffensive to deoccupy, to liberate this uh, big city, because again, this is the way to cut Russian forces uh, from uh, from direct land connection with Crimea.
0: And one other topic I have for you today: earlier on Wednesday, President Zelensky said that he is preparing a defense industry forum to be held in Ukraine. Can you explain to us what that is and what it might mean?
2: according to what president zelensky explained and announced this is gonna be a a forum of ukrainian and foreign arms manufacturers so ukraine as he mentioned ukraine will demonstrate what ukraine has produced and used at the front line also ukrainian partners will present their manufacturers and uh, demonstrate what they produce Uh, And what is already used at the battlefield and what is not. So basically, it's like uh, a platform. It will be, it's planned to be a platform to present military equipment, military developments of different countries, including Ukraine. And uh, President Zelensky mentioned that this uh, also could be another point to be united uh, and it could be another point of united cooperation with the allies.
0: So on one level, it's sort of a trade show where people can see what's available, what arms are available. On another level, though, it looks like a way for Ukraine to display to other Western powers, to allies, in particular NATO what ukraine is capable of
2: yes um we are here we are talking about uh ukrainian capacities and uh what ukraine can propose to the allies as well as ukraine is trying to propose itself as a venue for such events uh, which is also important for Ukraine especially during this you know war time uh, full scale invasion time but again we will see if it's gonna be open event or not due to security reasons this is my feeling so we will see but definitely yes definitely this is a promotional event for Ukraine and we'll see uh, who will join and we'll see uh, which um, companies will present their um, uh, well present their products.
0: And we'll leave it there for today. Anna Chernikova in Kyiv. Anna, as always, thank you for your time today.
2: Thank you, Steve.
0: You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. As the number of drone attacks increases inside Russian territory, what's the impact? Residents outside of Moscow, after drones were recently shot down, said they weren't worried. But at times, Ukrainian officials said they want to demonstrate they can take the fight to Russia. Is that happening with these strikes? VOA's Steve Miller spoke with Kelly Grieco, senior fellow at the Stimson Center in Washington, for that answer and more.
1: So I think, you know, the Ukrainians are under a tremendous amount of pressure right now with their counteroffensive and the fact that it has essentially stalled on the battlefield. And I think these attacks targeting Russian territory in particular are meant as much for its own domestic audience as for the Russian audience to try to sort of, you know, build up support or, or sustain support and show the Ukrainians um, that they're having some impact on, on Russia through these strikes.
3: When you say having an impact on the strikes video released by Reuters News speaking to some of the residents in these Russian areas that were, were where the drones were shot down and exploded. They were saying that they aren't all that concerned about it, even, even though they aren't used to this. that At the time, it may be scary, but in the long run, they, they really don't have any kind of worry about it. D- does that hamper the impact on the Ukrainian side showing that they can take the fight inside Russia?
1: Yes, it does. And I would just say that this is not surprising at all. Uh, that this is the response from people in Moscow, because this is historically how uh, populations have responded to airstrikes or drone strikes um, that are targeting uh, cities. You know, we've seen Ukraine itself with this. Um, you know, there's an attraction to these kinds of strikes, a belief early on in air, with air power from its very founding that perhaps you could target um, cities and cause an erosion of popular support for a war but what we've seen time and again, whether it's, you know, the blitz in London in World War Two or the drone strikes um, that Russia conducted in the winter um, against uh, Ukrainian cities is that. It really doesn't break the will of populations. And if anything, it causes a rally around the flag effect.
3: We have seen in, in recent video released of so-called sea baby sea drones that were used possibly to take out the the bridge linking the Crimean Peninsula to Russia and, and other attacks inside Russian territory. Is Ukraine doing well in improving its concept that it can take the fight to Russia?
1: Well, I think it has certainly shown that it can take the fight to Russia. Um, there's been about over the last year, According to some sources, about 150 um, suspected aerial drone attacks on Russian territory or Russian-controlled territory. So they've certainly shown a capacity to do this. I think the problem is that Russia is a really big country, uh, so the scale is not there to necessarily have a tremendous impact, even at a military military level. Um, you know, over the weekend we saw one strike that was very, you know brazen in the sense that they were able to target an air base where there was a um, supersonic bomber, a Russian bomber located on Russian territory. And there's images on social media of the bomber, you know, being up in flames. But they only were able to succeed in destroying one bomber. Uh, so, you know, this is that's a pinprick in some ways in terms of um, its impact on Russian military capability.
3: Before you go, what else should our international audience know about the use of drones in warfare, whether they be Striking civilian targets or areas where there are civilian populations?
1: I think even putting aside the ethics uh, of targeting civilian areas, uh, militarily it doesn't work. Uh, and so, to the extent that these drones are used on Russian territory, it will be more effective for them to go after things like oil facilities, airfields, um, other kinds of infrastructure. And the, and the Ukrainians have done a lot of that. Um, and they're what they're targeting on Russian territory. I think the problem for them is simply that the scale of the kind of attacks they would need to conduct uh, to really have a massive impact, not just simply disrupt Russian um, logistics, but really impact it in a meaningful way so that forces at the front find themselves, uh, you know, being strangled um, by lack of supplies um, it is really not there. But we are seeing a really fundamental change, I think, in warfare and that the capacity of even a medium-sized medium state like Ukraine to conduct long-range strikes.
3: Kelly Grieco is a senior fellow with the Stimson Center. Kelly, thank you very much for your time and your analysis.
1: Thank you.
0: Firefighters all over Ukraine are stretched to the limit due to Russia's war on their homeland. This year, the firefighters made contacts in the U.S. and Europe that are providing support to help them save lives in Ukraine. Anna Kostachenko reports from Ukraine's Kharkiv region.
6: Roman Kachanov is a professional rescuer and a firefighter with over 16 years of experience in Kharkiv. He says since Russia's invasion and because of non-stop shelling, his work has become much more intense. Much more work with
0: this work, much more intense and... We get more weight on ours because we, we, we need to wear this vests which kind of 30 pounds more what we usually have but I know, yeah we have struggled with lack of equipment, lack of training but now we got a lot of this thankfully for the help from the Europe and from America.
6: Support has also come from the charity Foundation United Help Ukraine. Founded by American Ukrainians in Washington, DC. Kachanov and his colleagues met foundation representatives at a large firefighter conference in Indianapolis on April 2023. While we are just showing our
0: mission to the people, we got a lot of contacts which also help us to count like more efficient contacts in New York, in Chicago, in Washington. So and also different fire departments gave us uh, ambulances.
6: The Kharkiv Garrison of Rescuers reports getting 10 calls per day in the region. One rescue mission can last up to several days. Because of active hostilities, rescuers face more risks from mines and shelling, says Serhii Bilous, a Kharkiv rescuer with 13 years of experience.
7: A five-story building was hit by a rocket, and while the guys were extinguishing fire on one side of the building, we were working on getting out the people who were under the rubble, all while shelling was taking place. And since the structures were very unstable, it was scary for all of us, but it ended well.
6: Since Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022, Kharkiv garrison officials say they have received over 200 specialist machines and equipment from other countries. Because it is close to the front line, the region sees constant shelling from artillery, mortars, and aircraft, says Kachanov. And the need for more equipment to clear all the rubble is constant. Anna Kostichenko for VOA News, Kharkiv Region, Ukraine.
0: Scores of Ukrainian minesweepers were training to clear minefields that bedevil the troops as they try to recapture Russian-held territory in the south and east. Reuters' Zachary Goleman has that story.
7: A Ukrainian counteroffensive is making slow but steady progress in liberating Russian-controlled territory. That's according to an advisor to the country's defense minister. One of the most significant obstacles facing Kiev's forces? Landmines. This Ukrainian sapper, who goes by the call sign Adam's Apple, demonstrates just why the advance is so slow. He's using what he calls a mine probe to check for the kind of explosives that can maim or kill his countrymen. A patch on his uniform reads, No room for error. An instructor who gave his name as Oleksandr said, The war means a thin, pointed stick is the best tool for this dangerous and vital duty. Across the front line,
3: fields are entirely covered. It is impossible to use mine detectors because the entire area is covered with shrapnel. Fields and the woods are covered with shrapnel. A sapper has to use a mine probe and move forward slowly. He
7: showed off special boots sappers wore that are meant to save their legs if they accidentally step on an anti-personnel mine. Sometimes they find unexploded ordnance after troops advance. There's only one way to safely dispose of it. Ukraine's summer offensive has thus far moved slowly, only recapturing several hundred square kilometers, a tiny fraction of the territory still under Russian control. Three different media outlets cited unnamed U.S. officials as saying Kiev had launched a new phase of its ambitious campaign. Uh,
0: what the last
7: days? Russian President Vladimir Putin told Russian television that every Ukrainian assault had been beaten back and that Moscow's forces had inflicted significant losses on their opponents. Reuters could not independently verify the battlefield reports.
0: Reuters' Zachary Goldman reporting. And that's going to do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media. Be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish.